Okay, so we're going to be talking to Charlotte Ann Tilly today. Today is my first time I am recording an episode a week in advance, which kind of makes me feel weird because I'm like, what if she gets cast in Bridgerton season two in the next two seconds and then this will already feel dated? Yeah, I'm prepping because I'm going to be busy next weekend. Okay, so I just went on a walk with a dear friend and I drank coffee and it's cold outside, so I'm really afraid I'm going to be sniffing the whole time. I think I just did it. <laughs> I am actually so good in editing, I can tell the noise when someone smacks their lips, it spikes a certain way, can find that immediately. And also, uh, if a guest sniffs, I learn the shape of their sniff on the sound waves. How gross is that? Yeah, so hopefully I won't be sniffing too much. It's gonna be a great interview. Anyways, Charlotte, sorry. Charlotte and I met at Lambda. She's just like, she's always like going for it and working it and people are always like, Rosie, my cat is trying to eat my oatmeal. I have had nothing to eat today. After this, I'm gonna try to shovel this in. Yeah, so at Lambda, I was doing a year program and you know how people are always like, telling actors like make your own work make your own work because this industry is so freaking hard literally today after this I'm getting my first audition in a while and it's literally like attractive clean hands over the shoulder and I'm like great this is what I went to school for very grateful to have anything but also <laughs> this industry dude um so anyways oh my gosh Rosie no okay you know those little dangly things in a window to get your blinds up and down. Rosie started smacking them around. Dude, ugh. I love having a podcast and I love having a cat and they don't go together. So anyways, people are always telling you to make your own work. Like everyone, they're like, be the next flea bag. Charlotte was like one of the only people to actually do that. She was on a short course and I don't remember if like she had posters up or if she was just telling everyone to follow her on Instagram. And I went to it with my friend, Kevin Ryan, and I was just so impressed with like her just being like, yeah, I'm gonna do this. And she made it and it was a one woman show. Excited to talk about making this in quarantine, how it all went, making your own stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm so excited to get this started. I have like four seconds to shove this oatmeal in my face so I don't get lightheaded. And um, I love you guys and I'm gonna do a great job. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do a great job, and I love you. Let's do this. Anyways, how are you, my love? <laughs> how are you? Where am I Where am I talking to you from? I'm in London right now. Okay. So my lockdown was basically I went home to Macclesfield, where I'm from, mm -hmm. which is up north, and I'm working as a nanny at the moment, That's... a nanny, two kids. I feel like I'm doing everything I could be in terms of like acting, but obviously in terms of what's happening in the industry, there's not a lot going on. Talk to me about London lockdown, because of course America's like, we're going to do our own thing and not take it seriously. It's really weird because at the start everyone was like, oh, we're going to like meditate and like change our lives and have these amazing like peaceful lives. And now I'm speaking to her like, I want this to be over now, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So what's the industry doing right now? I made a choice basically at the start mm -hmm. of lockdown that I was just gonna commit to like making my own work. And mm -hmm. I think that's been my focus. I mean, I made a short film in August, which yeah. I was working on like from uh, March. And it looks great. Like we work with this amazing um, editor and um, he also shot the film mm -hmm. uh, called Camillo. And 
honestly, like, if anyone wants to follow him, his Instagram is Life on Ports. He just was so professional. And like, another thing I was working on was 20s, which is the play I wrote, which was completely different in that it was like on Zoom. So like getting to work with someone who, like Camillo, he just understood editing and like mm-hmm. how to shoot a great shot, which is just not my, not what I'm trained in. Mm-hmm. So working with someone like that the thing I could do which was write an act which is in like 20s was paired with like this amazing like technical side mm-hmm. and I think that's what like as someone who who's an actor and a writer like I think I, I learned over lockdown that it's really good to allow yourself to work with people who have skills that you don't have one of my favorite things to do is to find people that do stuff I'm shit at you know yes and be like, I'm bad at this. And sometimes like audio and stuff, that wasn't naturally my thing, but I couldn't hire, you know, someone to mix it Mm. and whatnot. But so I had to figure that out. But yeah, I mean, part of it is like, yay, learn a new skill. And then part of it is like, but I don't need to learn this. I saw your show in London. So was that kind of like the pre pre pre-20s kind of where you started like baking 20s together? Yeah, so adolescent was semi-autobiographical Mm-hmm. and 20s is semi-autobiographical and obviously the names are quite similar um mm-hmm. but actually we're changing the name of 20s because um it's going to be a one woman show and we wanted to like have a differentiation between the mm-hmm. zoom show and the one woman show that it's gonna mm-hmm. it's gonna become but um there's definitely a link between the two i mean i think i wouldn't say it's a sequel because the character is different and I suppose I suppose adolescent it was the first play I ever wrote like it was me working things out and I think I think 20s it is completely different because it's I feel like I I get writing now in a way so I think it's there's there's a link because they're both they're both a a one-woman show about Mm -hmm. um a sort of naive funny character who's trying to understand the world but and, and convince everyone else that she knows what she's talking about, but actually yes. she's completely lost. Yes. And I think that is a theme that runs throughout both. But I think I'm hesitant to call it a sequel because I feel that where I'm at in terms of the way I approach it is so different. It mm-hmm. feels, they feel worlds apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely, they're definitely linked way yeah. more than like, but Birthday, for example, the short film is just completely it's not linked in any way it's a completely yeah. different story and form mm-hmm. but they are they are similar yeah 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 so okay can we take it back to like baby charlotte of like <laughs> what was it did you like see a show when you were little did you start like writing when you were like what was it then when you were like this is fantastic there is definitely um a link i used to make <laughs> This is a bit embarrassing. I used do it. to do it. Make my parents sit in my living room and I would perform the Charlotte show. Yes. <laughs> totally. Like scarily similar to what I'm doing now. <laughs> um and I don't know what that would consist of. I mean How old were you? I remember this was from the age of like five, I think. Totally. Um, yeah. And I had I've got a film that I had this like video camera and I would record myself. I've got a film of me dancing to, uh, do you know Alicia Dixon? She had a song and I think it was, I forgot. The, it was like the lyrics, like the boy never washes up. It's like, does he wash up? He never washes up. And yeah. I had like this brush and I was like, <laughs> like dancing to it. So yeah, I think I've always had this, like, I don't know where it's come from because no one in my family is like theatrical in that way, mm-hmm. but 
and then like I I also like a few years later there was this thing I can't remember what it was called there was like this app you could get on your phone mm-hmm. and and it was similar to TikTok but it was like you could do it for as long as possible and you would play a song and you would like mime it but I got so into it and I like played or you know I just can't wait to be king yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that song I I spent like hours like doing filming me mm-hmm. singing I just can't wait to be miming I just can't wait to be king but playing all three or four characters yeah and yeah. I, I watched it back like a few years after I did it and I was like what is this like I I'm like so theatrical and like getting mm-hmm. into all the characters um so yeah in terms of me as a as a child like there is there was always um a performative streak there and mm. um, it was very much I think <laughs> early on there probably is still an element I want people to look at me I think like all of us kind of have some kind of like precociousness oh I'm so dramatic but then like a shy kid but like how we're different making it on your own which I think is like something very distinctly that you do actors are told always like make your own work be the next Phoebe Waller-Bridge be the next yeah. x y and z and that's mm. fabulous. And then a lot of friends like of mine have to like bring themselves up to that. But I feel like that's something that you have always done naturally then. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird because then, I, I mean, that's always, I've always loved the idea of like telling my own stories mm. and things like that. As I went into my teens, I mean, I first... I played the lead in year six, which uh-huh. was like when I was like 10. Because um, I was I was always cast as an angel in the nativity in primary school. <laughs> and I was so angry about it. And I was like, why am I not Jesus? Like, come on. And then, um, and then I finally, finally got my big break when I was 10 uh-huh. in Panto Pandemonium. And I played Sarah and I absolutely uh-huh. loved it. And then, and then I did get more into like playing a role in a play. Mm-hmm. Um, or a musical um, and did that throughout my teens and it's weird how I've now after sort of trying to do the route of like being an actor in something bigger finding myself doing a lot of waiting mm-hmm. then gone back to what I was doing I mean on a very basic level when I was yeah. like a young a younger child I think I mean I love that and I actually a couple days ago I was talking to someone else and it's interesting how like this wasn't a flaw that people were telling you like, oh, you make your own stuff, that's weird. But it's interesting Mm -hmm. how we revert, like how we start as one thing and then you're like, now like I'm gonna be the next Carrie Mulligan or the next X, Y, or Z, like here I go. But then actually what you excel at and what is going to become your thing Mm -hmm. was the thing you've always been doing. Like even from a little kid, like we're kind of the same person no matter what. Like I used to have like a toothpick as like a kid and I'd smoke it and I've still never smoked. <laughs> but I was just kind of like, okay, like mom, yeah. I'm like 14 and I'm a dramatic actor. Okay, so on your bio, you did, did you do the National Youth Program or did you do that after we met at Lambda? So National Youth Theatre is a thing that a lot of young actors do. It's like they take on like 600 people a year and mm. they do like a three week course um, where they sort of teach you like a really fast foundation to like what it is to be a professional actor. Mm. I mean, I did it 
probably at the wrong time. I went to Lambda and did that intense training and it was a, a much more sort of mature training than yeah. National Youth Theatre. So I think I'd sort of, I think I was a bit frustrated when I was there because I'd just gone at the, at the wrong time. I should have gone a few years earlier. The foundation yeah. is amazing. Yeah, it's um, it's weird. It's changing. Lambda's mm. changing a lot now. Yeah. But when I went, it was they really cared about it and I loved it I mean it was really hard and it was a bit competitive um which I think courses can be sometimes it depends it does depend on the mix of people in your year and you can mm -hmm. never predict what the dynamics going to be like I wanted to do a BA so I auditioned for yeah. the BA and looking back I was so not prepared to do a BA in acting mm -hmm. and I was lucky enough to get offered the foundation at Lambda which was exactly what I needed I think in terms mm -hmm. of like um training and connections and um understanding things like voice and movement which I had no mm -hmm. prior knowledge on really and you do 10 months but there's this weird element to the course which is like everyone wants to go onto the BA at that, mm -hmm. and at that specific school as well so we would have classes a lot way too many audition classes which were like okay so let's do see your monologues let's see what you're doing and a lot of them it just brought out this sort of um desperation to like do a three-year it's really weird like I'd still love to do more training and maybe it's something I'll go and do in the future maybe I will do a BA I don't know if that's my path that's my path you know yeah but I think at the time I wasn't ready to do a BA after that course and it became too much about that and that is my own responsibility as well yeah. because I I allowed myself to get obsessive about what was going to happen in the future instead mm -hmm. of enjoying the moment and I think that's something now that I've learned you have to mm -hmm. enjoy the moment you're in mm -hmm. and not think maybe this will lead to this you know what I mean and I think a bit like I totally feel for you though because I remember like thinking about the F's and I also had a dear friend she auditioned for it she said something kind of similar like I want to be in the moment I don't want to but it's like it's I think it's almost impossible. Like and, and it, it happened when all the Americans went over to the US is like, we're like best friends. We're in love with each other. Like, oh my gosh, like hug, hug, kiss, kiss. And then all of a sudden at the end of those showcases, we would like go into the lobbies, tried our hardest. And then agents would kind of walk over to your friend. And then you don't want to walk over because they're like, but mm. you didn't walk over to me. I like oh. got no offers, none from um, Showcase. And I had friends being like, oh yeah, this agent reached out, but like they're reaching out to everyone. They're not even that good. And I was just like sitting in the car being like- It's horrible. Mm -hmm. um, I hate the, I don't know, business side of mm -hmm. being an actor in that way because I'm in it for like the creativity and telling stories creating conversation and potentially change you know it's like it's a really powerful thing that side of it makes it become about things that are so can it can make it become about things that are really not important like the way you look and it just makes it a little bit icky you know what I mean like Ugh. oh yeah <laughs> and I'm yeah. about to go pay someone Fifteen dollars to film my to film the back of my head and my hands, and my feet, and this is the first audition I've had in a long time. <laughs> oh God! But <laughs> thing is, like sometimes you've got to play the game. Sometimes oh, for sure. You've got to 
and and sometimes the game is fun like yeah sometimes i really enjoy and there's a lot of lovely lovely casting directors out there Mm. and lovely agents and people who like genuinely are invested in Mm. um you know the the truth and the um the sort of like storytelling element of of what it is to be an actor and mm-hmm. i guess what it is to be a, an actor is different for different people for some mm-hmm. people they're obsessed with technique or uh, and for me like i think it's and and or like someone might be obsessed with like becoming someone else or whatever mm-hmm. but i think i always i i'm always drawn to like telling a story and yes. i think i see it in that bigger picture and that's probably why i write as well um and yeah and yeah and things like going to classes and and working on your self-tape technique it can be really fun Mm -hmm. I think there's such a fine line though between obsessed with success element I listened to this podcast and they said one thing that really stuck with me and it was a credit is it doesn't define your happiness Mm -hmm. like you might think that getting that one credit a credit a, a literal like a sentence on a piece of paper will Mm -hmm. make you happy will fix your problems but it won't you have to be content with who you are and there's so many ways to be creatively fulfilled and Mm -hmm. you don't have to get that big bbc job or like Mm -hmm. whatever it is hbo job to Mm -hmm. to be happy and the thing is you'll still have your own your own things that you're insecure about or you'll mm-hmm. still have anxiety when you get on the tube if that's the one you have now it will still be there yes. when you have that credit next to your name it's the same with reviews like for my writing or you put as soon as you get a good review it it, it defines you and it yeah. gives you you know self-esteem mm-hmm. that means as soon as someone criticizes you it's going to affect you just the same maybe even worse so I think it's being able to acknowledge that and, and take pride in it but also not invest your entire self-esteem on someone else's opinion. You know what so I mean? I have to ask, have you ever gotten a bad review? Yes, I have. I have oh, one, one bad review, which was from a play. It was the second play I ever wrote, and it was the first multi-person play I ever mm. wrote. Was it and before or after adolescence? It was the play I wrote after adolescence. Okay. I don't want to say what it's called because then people will go and read it and it's so bad. <laughs> okay. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. If, um, if it's too cringy to talk about, then... No, I can talk about... I just... Okay. I mean, if people find it, they find it. That's absolutely yeah. fine. <laughs> I don't want to give people the exact alchemy to find it. This reviewer who... By the way, I was writing a fringe play. So the theatre company said, we want this sort of exact criteria in a play can you write it in two months I just was like okay this is a cool challenge I'll write it and then this reviewer came that was he'd been reviewing like Book of Mormon things like Wicked on the West End so he'd been (laughs) he'd been reviewing like massive productions and for some reason he comes to this like low budget just like a group of mates putting on a play and decides mm-hmm. to review it and just absolutely ripped me apart. He just tore me to shreds. And that sticks out was this writer needs to go back to basics. And I was just like, it broke me. I was so sad. And I didn't produce a play for like a year because I was so sad about it. That experience has taught me that I care too much about people's opinion who I don't even know. I don't mm-hmm. even know this guy. Why do mm-hmm. I care what one person has to say? about me and my potential and the thing is that's the thing I was a budding writer I was right at the start 
I've grown so much since then. I think it's I think that that has taught me I mean it's I think it's good that I went through that because yeah. otherwise I might have got loads of praise um for like years and then had a bad review and just not been able to cope I'm learning to cope with criticism now which is something that didn't come naturally to me so there's um I mean to put you in good company um Judy Dench who I'm obsessed with and I've read all the biographies and autobiographies and there's this She's mentioned it anyways. It's done really well in her, someone that did a biography on her, like the dream. She was like, I couldn't even imagine. And opening night, they took a huge risk on her and she got the reviews of her were terrible. And they were like, you can tell this is a girl straight out of drama school. She was not ready. Think of it as Ophelia to play opposite of this guy playing Hamlet. They were like, she wasn't ready. And now looking back, she was like, you know, I wasn't. And so she did the run, but then it went on tour and they had to tell her, they were like, actually, this other girl is going to play Ophelia now and you're going to be the understudy. And so then she had to understudy the role she used to do is when she wasn't on stage, she just sat in the wings and watched it. And it made her realize like, you know, I wasn't ready. You know, sometimes listen to the reviews, sometimes don't. Um, it, it really depends on the person. I've done two intimacy. I, the only times I've ever been reviewed. Two, I did two different intimacy job, like uh, coordinator jobs. I'm not certified, but I'm trying to. And um, and so I've just like volunteered for these two. And I think once he called it adequate and then he reviewed another thing I did. And it was just this like 15 people mm. just like intertwined and just like moving across the stage. And I think he called it like a writhing heap. So I almost want to like put it on my bio. Like I've done <laughs> intimacy work. I'm adequate and I made a writhing heap. But I was really, <laughs> I was really proud of my writhing heap particularly. So yeah, I mean, it's really amazing when you can own, when you can own your work Mm. And, and own your pe other people's criticisms of you. Like mm -hmm. I'm always really impressed when people are like, I'm this, this mm -hmm. person said I'm this and, and mm -hmm. say it without like, I don't know, like humiliation or mm -hmm. shame. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? No, if it was my yeah. acting or my writing, I, w I totally would have taken it differently. I think the mm -hmm. intimacy thing, I think because I was so proud of the actors, I could have been looking, mm. I was looking at it with a critical eye, you know, like this is exactly what we were trying to make and they did such a fantastic job. I'm trying to think. So you didn't get into the foundation or the BA at Lambda. BA. Love yeah. hopping around. Yeah. So you didn't get into the BA. Did How long did that kind of knock you out? Because when I didn't get any feedback from Showcase, I was in a really bad place for about five months. I wasn't really functioning. I just had a breakdown because I didn't get a recall. So I just absolutely cried and cried and cried. It felt like someone had died. Like that's what it felt like it when I got dream. the rejection. Lambda was amazing for me and mm -hmm. I learned so much and met some of my best friends in the mm -hmm. world. And there's so many things I wouldn't have. I probably wouldn't have moved to London without going there. I wouldn't probably have written, started writing the things I did write. I, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have seen most of the theatre I've seen, so much wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm so, so glad that I did it. But the one thing that wasn't good was, I think I mentioned this earlier, that it sort of, it was encouraged for us to 
think that our only option was to go onto the BA and that was our end goal. And I think if it had been sort of like, if a sort of sense of like, you'll all have different paths, some of you might train further, some of you might go on to do different things. Mm. If that had been nurtured. So yeah, I, I was really upset. It's weird because out of that, I somehow was like, okay, I'm going to write a play and then wrote adolescent. I saw it. It really I- meant a lot. Lambda, when you're in that school, you're this enmeshed amoeba of like support because we're all just really going through it but the fact that I don't remember if you were advertising it on Instagram or if you had posters up but I was like there's no way I'm missing this show because I was like if this person is putting herself out there which we're told to do and Mm. no one at Lambda had done that because some people after school has have done that and that's fabulous but you were like like, right, let's do this. And your gumption just was amazing. Yeah, I mean, part of me, I am, I mean, I'm sort of astonished at the the confidence of me at sort of 19. I just plastered Lambda with posters of absolutely every hallway I could find. And like, that was a pretty, a bold move for, because there is, there is sort of a like hierarchy at Lambda in terms of like the BAs are sort of like, top dogs and then the f's are like everyone's sort of like well if an f gets in then we respect them but like they haven't proved themselves yet sort of thing and i was like fuck that and just like it's me come and see my show you know what i mean and it is a bit mad that i because people must have been like wait she's not following the rules she's not supposed to like you know what i mean no so i was on the ma course i was a d and sometimes the d's would get kind of insecure because mm-hmm. we're like, oh, we're the Americans. And oh, like we felt kind of insecure. And I was kind of like, I'm grateful for the experience and I'm going to learn. And But I mentioned it to the E2, once some E2s and they were like, no, like I don't see you guys that way. And it was more just like in, I think some of my classmates heads like, oh, we're not, we're not real Lambda students. And then they like got insecure and then they got angry. And I right. think we all know what it's like not to get in. And then I think once you do get in, because it it was my second try, once I got in, I was like, oh, I think like they had too many girls last year. I had done two shows in between my first and my second audition. And um, it was really just timing. And I think once you get in, because even getting to be an F is competitive, you know, like quite competitive, actually. I remember S's would audition to be an F. And anyways, I think it's all that to say, I think everybody gets in their own head about it because then a C can graduate and then they don't get an agent. Then that's when their layer of insecurity comes in. Just sort of stopped feeling like this really, like in the mm-hmm. last year or so, feeling like the industry's here mm-hmm. and I'm on the other side with all this like passion and enthusiasm and potential. But it's like there's a wall that's been built between mm-hmm. me and all the opportunities on that side. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that is I think sometimes there's different ends isn't there there's like some people um can be a child actor and get an agent when they're a kid and be on kids tv and then manage to make that transition through some people go and do a free year at drama school and get an amazing um showcase and get an agent and then there's like this weird mix in between it's like if you don't do a three-year and you don't know like some casting director who can sort of get you in it's like Mm -hmm. what is that path and and how do you 
how do you get past this wall that it feels like is there mm. because there's all these like with spotlight for example that you have to have four credits to have an actor profile but then it's like the credit has to be a professional credit but then to get a professional credit whatever that means um is you have to really have an agent and to get an mm-hmm. agent you have to have spotlight so there's this catch 22 of like how how can you let me in like i'm here mm-hmm. and i've got i feel i've got some talent and i have something to say but mm-hmm. you're not you're not paying any attention to me for whatever reason yeah. and i think a lot of a lot of people i've spoken to feel that way have you seen search party i've only started watching it in the past like two nights first episode the main character, like she goes in for this job interview and the woman is like so harsh and she's just like, I don't even know why you applied. I connected to it so much because she said, I'm tired of people telling me what I can't do. I need Mm -hmm. someone to tell me what I can do, you know? And it's like, she knows she has something to offer. And I feel really similarly where like I've hit this, this wall. Yeah. And you know what? I think the way that you sort of gain autonomy and feel like you're in charge of your own career mm-hmm. is through doing what I mean we're both doing it you're and so many people out there have sort of realized that it's possible you're, you've created a podcast you created mm-hmm. something of your own that you're in charge of mm-hmm. that you get to make decisions on and for me uh, doing uh, creating work writing mm-hmm. uh, was a way for me to to feel like I was in the driver's seat rather than I was like chasing something that I didn't have any control on because all we can ever do is take the next step. So the, the two things we're in control of really are our own craft and mm-hmm. like who we're connecting with and like our own mental health as well. We're in control of all those things. Mm-hmm. And I think really investing in that and and being like, I'm going to be the best actor I can be and I'm going to believe in myself and believe that I am talented enough to make it in this industry. Mm-hmm. If you wholeheartedly invest in in yourself, mm-hmm. then I think, I think you start to give less of a shit about this, the, the bullshit. And you just, you just, yeah, you, you, I think it's a happier way to live than feel mm-hmm. like I just need that person to say yes to me mm-hmm. and then I'll feel adequate. If if I say yes to me and I say I'm going to give myself these opportunities, then I don't care whether I get other opportunities. Mm-hmm. So like with for me, like writing 20s and writing my short film and mm-hmm. I mean 20s that it's just been in the Space UK's festival mm-hmm. and it got nominated for two awards and it got like three four-star reviews. And I and I, I did I've done two interviews with people from the press. Like it's mm-hmm. sort of for me, it's the first time something's blown up in that way. Mm-hmm. And people are really responding to it. And there's something about the story that is connecting to people. And the fact that that has happened from something that I've created. No mm-hmm. one else gave me that like Mm -hmm. no one else had to say yes to me for me to to get that I said yes I believe in myself that I can create this Mm -hmm. and I did it yeah the the results came and I didn't have to knock the wall down I just like found a gate on the side Mm -hmm. you know what I mean (laughs) you know what as well when I was at National Youth Theatre there was a panel of like actors that came and spoke to us and one of the actors said like don't think of the big picture don't be like okay I want to win a BAFTA how am I going to win a BAFTA because that's too far away like you can't focus on that so you can focus on what what is directly in front of me okay I can meditate for 10 minutes today Mm -hmm. I can 
write for 15 minutes. I can, you know, go on a walk. I can email this casting director. I can do this class. The things that are within your reach that are accessible to you, do that thing and then do the the next step after that. And I feel like that can create really big results. If you just keep plowing away and not putting too much pressure, 50 minutes of writing a day can turn into a play that you can mm -hmm. put on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like that, or even like, I know this is like sort of writing I'm, I'm talking about but with acting, do a self tape, like every day, be like, I'm gonna commit and I'm gonna, this amazing self tape course um, that Manuel Puro set up called the 21 day self tape challenge. And you do a self tape every day for 21 days. And you, he, he, there's like an after bit you can do where he continues to send you them every day so you could be doing a self-tape every day with really really good scripts mm -hmm. and I, I feel like if you do that it's hard work and it takes a lot of discipline but if in some way you're say you have a mate or something and you're like okay I'll send you a self-tape every day you send me a self-tape every day and we'll give each other feedback mm -hmm. you know what I mean imagine how good you'd be at auditions after a year of doing that and you've done that off your like that's not from people sending you self-tapes it's from you being like I'm going to do this I'm going to get better you know what I mean mm -hmm. Yeah. Dang. Well, you've thrown the gauntlet down. I'm like, oh, I'm not. Doing that. <laughs> oh. Um, one of my favorite things to ask is of actors is, can you please tell me a terrible audition story? Because nothing is more fun or like fun to me. Um, <laughs> I was like, so somehow when I was like 12 or something, I'd, I'd like found my mom always feels bad she's like oh god I feel like I don't understand the industry at all I wish when you're younger I could have like found more opportunities basically I'd somehow find this weird page that doesn't doesn't exist anymore but someone was posting all these like opportunities on this like random blog that yeah. I somehow tracked down and there was this audition for this big agency that was in central London and I filmed myself on my like crappy webcam and somehow got a recall for like, there was like six of us out of 600 that got a recall for this oh like gosh. kids agency. And I didn't learn the lines for my, for my, um, my sort of scene because honestly, I have no explanation for that. My mum drove me all the way down to London. I went mm -hmm. to the audition and just kept forgetting the lines because mm -hmm. I, I don't know, maybe I just hadn't, I didn't know how to learn lines yet so I'd just sort of like gone over the scene a few times and not really figured out if they, the, the lines were actually there yeah and worse still I I don't know why but for the first time ever I decided to put sun cream on in the morning which I've never ever done in my life I don't do that I don't wear sun cream unless it's really hot and for some reason, my eyes had some weird reaction to this sun cream and there were just constant tears streaming because I'd like, I'd like got sun cream in my eyes and I didn't, I like now obviously I'm really sorry, I've got sun cream in my eyes, mm -hmm. but I didn't say anything. So I'm just constantly in this audition, they're doing like a workshop and I'm just like, <laughs> and I'm not crying. I'm like, I really want them to know I'm not crying. I just, my eyes must have been like bloodshot because yeah. I just... I like had sun cream in my eyes and it just they wouldn't stop watering and I was just mm -hmm. like constantly <laughs> like this um so that was I've just realized we're on a podcast by the way guys I'm wiping under my eyes right now <laughs> that's what I was doing um so yeah yeah that was that was an awful experience uh 
if anyone is listening to this that is auditioning for drama school for the first mm-hmm. time or second time or whatever, I think like it's important to remember that like thousands of people auditioning for like a few spaces. Mm-hmm. But also, I think when you're in the room, you have to forget about that because you'll get so wound up by the numbers mm-hmm. that you won't be able to just do the scene. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, like it's a, it's a weird one, isn't it? It's a very it's a very strange thing. But I know that when I was young and eighteen or whatever. I had a problem with perfectionism. I just wanted to be perfect. I just wanted mm. to do the scene and do it perfectly. And if I'd have gone into a three year with that kind of mindset, I wouldn't have learned anything because I wouldn't have been open to to getting things wrong. I would have just mm. been like, okay, so I'll be perfect and you won't mm-hmm. give me any feedback because I'm going to do everything. And you know what I mean? It's such a, a closed off way to, to go into a class. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I was just... I mean, it's just young, just just yeah. uh, very like, I mean, I was going to mention this earlier, actually. Please. So when you were talking about how did you deal with not getting Lambda? So mm-hmm. I wrote, I wrote um, adolescent and because I had that project for a while, I was sort of focused on that and then I did it. And then what was weird was that the year after leaving Lambda was my first year out of education first year living as an adult paying my rent myself and that was that was the moment I I struggled so much and I think it was there was a combination of like oh gosh like I didn't want to be out of education yet and Mm -hmm. the being in three years at a drama school is sort of safe because you're Mm -hmm. you're you it sort of gives you community and a structure so then I, I I suddenly was in this life of like having to create my own structure, having no money, not getting on with my housemates, like just feeling really, really lonely and isolated in London. And mm. that was that was my experience of, for like a year after Lambda. And I think that that going through that made me realise, oh, like there were so many skills that I didn't have when I was 18 that I have now. Mm. Like I was just so unself-sufficient I didn't know how to wash my dishes I didn't I didn't understand how to be an adult at all I just Mm -hmm. didn't I didn't get it like Mm -hmm. I was totally confused and I spent that whole year just like the only way I can describe it was like it was fuzzy the world seemed fuzzy and blurry and I couldn't and London was probably the worst place to be because it's so fast you've got to keep up or you'll you'll get lost you know Mm -hmm. what I mean Mm-hmm. And I did. I was so lost. But then I think what came from that was like a lot, a, a, a mass. I learned so much because at some point, at some point, like, you can't be out of your depth forever. Like you do, you do learn and mm-hmm. things do get easier. And I, I sort of learned how to have a, a job and earn money and how to wash my dishes and what? clean up after myself. So <laughs> in 20s, one of my favorite details is that y'all wear dinosaur costumes like your job is to dinosaur themed bar and I love yeah and I loved the part where it was like have you ever done immersive work and then you're finally just like yes yes I have did you have any horror story jobs once you were out of school paying the rent being an adult yes (laughs) I had a string of really um yeah difficult jobs um I mean 
I don't want to give too much away about the play if anyone's not watched it, but there are elements yes. of like sexual harassment in the play that happen at work. And that is based on something that happened to me mm. at like an immersive uh, sort of place, an immersive workplace, which was sort of similar to the dinosaur thing. So that was sort of based off an experience that happened. Um, and yet also in terms of like just being in a shitty workplace, oh, just nearly every job <laughs> so i i mean i've had a couple of really nice jobs like i worked i worked at a theater in london up until lockdown which i loved and there was a great group of us and i loved that but i worked at i worked at a, um a wizard themed bar in london which weirdly is sort of similar to the dinosaur theme bar but it wasn't actually really it didn't feel like it was based on that workplace mm-hmm. and maybe it was a, a little bit i want to know if y'all dressed as wizards yes we wore pointy like witch hats and it was just i mean it's hard to describe what was so bad about it but it was just uh and when you're first working your first few jobs you're told like work is hard and this is difficult and then you don't realize how bad the situation you're in is like my first job i was making minimum wage which I was out of high school, you know, I didn't have a degree. That mm. makes sense. I was paid seven twenty-five an hour, and um, which you cannot live off of. It's mm. impossible. I was living at home, so it was fine. But I told mom, I was like, I was on my feet all day, and I was like, Mom, I know I should be grateful, and it adds up, but it's adding up like really slowly. Cause like I'm leaving with like forty dollars, you know, and uh, yeah, it's just yeah. and you don't, and it's like it's funny because then you can laugh at those jobs later. Those jobs probably are quite informative. I mean, I probably have learned how to deal with people a bit better and how to, mm-hmm. you know. But at the time, I was just like, I'm wasting my life. I have one life and I'm not in a BBC drama and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> like, what am I doing here? Um, I was Every time I was like, yeah, so this is, this is another eight hours I'm not getting back. You know what I mean? It was that sort of <laughs> thing. Um, and I don't think I'm working as a nanny now to two, to two boys and mm-hmm. I love it. And it's really, it's really joyful at times and lovely. Mm-hmm. And I still, and it doesn't feel like, cause it can, there's a really weird balance I've had. I've talked to a few people about this where it's like, you're in London because you want to be an actor and you're working a side, side job, mm-hmm. um, which can be like 40 hours a week, but it's a side job. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a weird thing that can happen where the job just totally, totally takes over and acting doesn't even come into the picture. You know what I mean? And and it's like, what am I doing? I'm in London to be an actor. And I I haven't thought about acting for three months because I'm exhausted. Yeah. You know what I mean? How has comparison been for you? Because there were some people we were at school with at the same time, and they are just like rocking it, you know? Because I love them. Some days I just have to like kind of take a step back because it can be quite hard. And I don't want to put that on them. I used to get quite jealous of... Mm-hmm. Of people and I still get little sort of um flares of that I think it's it's human and it's natural isn't it yeah. to feel to feel waves of like envy but I think I I don't know I think what is something that I'm working on is knowing that I am so different and I feel like you are projected 
onto a path that other people will look at and they're like, oh, I, you know, I want that. But like, you've been working towards this for such a long time and no one can jump to where you are, you know, like, and this is the path that's going to get you where you're supposed to be. You know, like you have so, I'm trying to put this in the right way. You are so definitely on the path that you're supposed to do. You know, like you haven't gotten distracted by going like, ooh, you know, it would have been nice to be on this kind of show. But like, and instead of trying to be a different kind of actor that you're mm-hmm. not, instead of like obsessing with the next round of drama school auditions being like, you know, I ha- if I'm not a BA trained actor, then I don't want to do it. Or trying to find a path of an actor you admire, but just isn't your path. You've been like, okay, what is mine? You are on the path that's going to get you where you're supposed to go and I think thank you yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) even though like it would be really cool to like get a really huge job I think a lot of that comes from what other people would think you know what I mean oh Mm -hmm. if I got a really big job then other people would think that I'm successful you know what I mean? Like, for example, um, on Twenties, which was an online thing, and birthdays as well, like the directors that I worked with were gave me just as much, or from what I've experienced in the past, gave me tools and excitement, mm-hmm. probably just as much as I might get from something that's, that's more high profile. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel so fulfilled. But it's weird that there's something, there's something about... Oh, imagine getting to post on Instagram that I've got this role. There's something about that that has become, I think, in this like social media driven world, like that's that's a big thing, even though it Mm -hmm. might not even feel that different. It's I feel like I'm being so physical while I'm talking to you and I'm realizing that it's a my hands are all over the place. (laughs) I'm such a hand mover. We're actors, we're expressive. Exactly. But yeah, you're it's not about fighting all the people alongside you. Like that that's not gonna help, you know what I mean? If we don't support each other, it's just gonna make things even harder. You know what as well, for me as an actor, I think it's something that I'm realizing is really important to having your sort of allies in in the industry and and friends as well. A lot of my friends are actors. I think that's the way it works. Yeah. Um. Because yeah. you're like, I think when you're at the start of your career, like everything's about acting because you really want to make it work. And the people that if so, if something great happens like for example we got nominated for two awards the other day and I shared it with some people and it's so interesting to see the way people respond to your good news and to your Mm. successes and I think it's really important to like be aware of that because if you have someone in your life and you share a success with them and I mean for example if you message them on Facebook and you don't get response or like you tell them in person and there's a sense of like oh right you know what I mean? Mm. I think it's important to to just like be aware of that because the people that do celebrate you, they're the people you want to have in your life. Yeah. Because and and that's what I want to be for other people. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to to be I don't know like angry at someone else's success. Yes, like I don't want to feel like that. <laughs> so Harry was in twenties and he absolutely was one of the loveliest guys at school Uh, and I remember once literally going up to the bar in like the new part of the building and he was reading I think he had said like I'm trying to read all of 
the histories and Shakespeare or like something. And we started a conversation. And by the end, he went, I had a great time talking to you or like, it was really like, this was such a nice conversation. Hmm. And I was just like, you're lovely. And then just anytime I interacted with him and you had him in twenties, you know, like the people that just, I don't know. I was thinking like, if there were more people like him, I feel like the world would be a better, he's just so warm and fantastic, but it's all about like, I think it's all about just stretching your arms out to people who you care about because in the end, that's just going to be enjoyable. It's not even like, that's how you become successful because I think we need to stop thinking about that. It's just more about like, what a lovely thing that you got to connect with him. He's, um, me and him worked together at a theater. And I think since we, since we worked together, like, um, you know, like serving people beers and things like that, we've just like really bonded and Mm -hmm. yeah, him, I, I feel like I'm really lucky to have met people like him in London uh, and mm-hmm. so so many people that I've met. I feel like it is the majority actually of actors are really open, like kind, honest, vulnerable mm-hmm. people. And I think I think that's what makes a good actor, someone who's a good listener, someone who, you know, is open and, and um, yeah, mm-hmm. like, I, that's what I've noticed is is a I mean listening in particular is like I mean that's pretty key to be an actor isn't it mm-hmm. and then I think a bonus is that if you're an actor you get to meet so many people that are good listeners mm-hmm. and be friends with them <laughs> and tell them all your problems <laughs> I, I I noticed in years and I mean everybody was fabulous and talented but one thing every every year, you know, every year in the school and by years, I don't mean in time, but like the people in different, I guess I would say like grades for our Americans, but I would see someone in a performance and maybe that person, I like really enjoyed them particularly. And so um, I would tell them that maybe a few days later. And those were the people that would be like, who are you? Like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know you like turned it on me immediately and been like, and not like in a narcissistic way, but like, I'm so interested in you. Mm. And like immediately it was like the kindest people were the people who I on stage connected with before I knew that they were fabulous almost, Mm. you know? Yeah. And I think um, as well, it links to this thing of like, if you, if you go and see people's shows and, Mm -hmm and take the time to actually you know show interest in what Mm -hmm. other people are doing then you know the universe will serve you back and people Mm -hmm. will come and see your shows and support you Mm -hmm. and and then if you if you ignore what other people are doing and and get so and oh I can't go and see this other person's show I'm working on this I can't I think if you make a habit of you know not Mm -hmm. being interested in what your peers are doing then why would you expect them to come and and being invested in what you're doing yeah. I think it's really good to to have an eye to like yeah to to be immersing yourself in like what your sort of your peers are doing mm-hmm. uh, who are at the same stage as you mm-hmm. um and I think that's why I, I was so happy that you and Kevin back at when we were at Atlanta came to see Adolescent because 
I mean, it's it would be very easy that night for you to have gone and seen like I'm trying to think of what was big at that time, like Ferryman, the inheritance, yeah, the ferryman, yeah, yeah, something like that. But the fact that you came and saw something that was you know rough around the end edges and imperfect but mm. maybe like showed some potential mm-hmm. like that meant a lot you know what I mean and I will remember every single person that came and saw that show I feel like this is such a good conversation and um you have so much to share on like discouragement and confidence and the fact that you like reached out made me feel great um so yes all of the best wishes for um 20s and I'm so excited to see the next the stuff you keep putting out um you're fabulous thank you so much for having me yeah thank (laughs) you it's it meant the world that you reached out I'm your biggest American fan this the podcast is over now right it is is. yeah (laughs) I get really you you so effortlessly see like go from one to the other because obviously you're really natural oh thank you at the start I was like has it started now (laughs) for a second I was like (laughs) Wait, are we are we just chatting or is this a podcast? <laughs> hey y'all. Um thank you so much for listening. Charlotte, thank you so much for for talking to me. I listening back, I always try to or I don't have to try, I never do. I always record this usually the morning it's about to go out after I've listened to the episode many many times and um I was listening to her and she mentions at one point that she's with an under 21 agent, like a young actor agent. And I was like, wait, she's younger than 21? Charlotte, girl, if you ever feel discouraged, let me just tell you, you are way ahead of the curve. Okay, guys, um, I love you very, very much. Charlotte, thank you so much for coming on. I look forward to all of your projects. I hope more of them will be filmed because uh, with this pandemic, by the way, I have not checked the ratings, but I bet myself $5. I will give myself $5 if I have more than 24 likes and I'm a little bit in a rush, so I don't have time to check, but I bet that hasn't changed you can do it. Oh, my mom just told me. <laughs> my mom just told me she's subscribed. I've been making this for over a year and um, she is just now subscribed to it. So if it's good enough for Becky, it is good enough for you. Feel very Mark Marin. Do you get that? All right. I love you guys and uh, talk soon. Or you can listen next week. <laughs> All right. I love you. Bye-bye.